Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu, and this is episode 95. On today's episode, I speak with Bobby Frankenberger. Bobby and I met during his time as a contestant on season two of America's Next Top Podcaster. He's a podcaster, content creator, and a stay-at-home dad to two girls. Bobby approaches parenting with the spirit of a teacher in mind, and he has a great perspective that I'm looking forward to sharing with you today. We start by talking about how important it is to let your kids develop critical thinking skills at a young age. That's kind of one of my favorite things to do is handhold them through the process of how would you figure this out on your own or, you know, oh, what's what's this or how does this work? And, and you know, reflecting questions back to them like, well, what do you think? And hearing their responses and everything is just very, very fun. We talk about how to instill joy in the oftentimes mundane tasks that you have to teach your kids how to do. Most of the times it would be easier for you to do these tasks in the first place, but at the end of the day, you teach your kids a valuable lesson. Just by being around you and getting to participate in the things that your kids watch you do every day is really powerful for children because you're modeling that like that that joy of it and getting them to experience it with you at the same time. And that does a lot in the long term and just looking for little ways to insert them into what you're doing even if it makes it take longer, um, that's just that's part of the 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 pain of parenting. We talk about why Bobby had so many trepidations going into fatherhood. That was never a question. I was never worried about whether or not I wanted to have kids. But one thing that I worried about a lot leading up to kids was um, was whether I was going to be good at it. <laughs> and finally, we talk about his journey becoming a stay-at-home dad and also how he desires to establish normalcy around the idea of a stay-at-home father. Everybody means well when they say that around here. It just, it kind of like makes me roll my eyes that we're, ha- that we're having this conversation. Here's my conversation with Bobby Frankenberger. Bobby Frankenberger, welcome to The Dad Chronicle. How are you today? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, you, you and I have gotten to know each other because of America's Next Top Podcaster. That's right. Um, not going to say too much more about that, just in case people haven't caught up on the plethora of episodes. No spoilers. That's no spoilers. right. Go listen to it for yourself. America's Next Top Podcaster.com. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, yep. But beyond you just being a podcaster, you are also a dad. And that's something that I wanted to talk to you a bit about. You and I had a good opportunity to talk about our kids, um, you know, in our time working together on the Dad Chronicle or on, on the Dad Chronicle, on a top podcaster. And mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, I got to have this guy on the show. So why don't you take a moment to just introduce yourself to the people at home who may not know you? Well, my name is Bobby Frankenberger, and um, as I'm sure we'll talk more about throughout the the the, the talk here, um, I'm a I do content creator type taunt, bleh, content creation, podcaster, streamer, stuff like that. But uh, more topical to what we're talking about now, I'm a stay at home dad. I have two daughters. Uh, my oldest is six; will be seven in April, and my youngest is will be four in February. So. And that's almost, Zoe and almost. Kaylee, right? Zoe is my older daughter, yeah, and uh, and Kaylee is my younger. Yeah, that's right. Those are very interesting ages uh, because they are really kind of coming into their own. Um, Aria, oh, my yeah. daughter, is you know two and a half, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of cousins that uh, are younger than I am, and I've I've kind of watched them cycle in and out of that age. Um, what do you love about that age right now, and what are some of the challenges that you face? with two girls at that age range. <laughs> so I I actually really love this age um, because 
I, when I, before I became a parent, I always said that I I'm I'm really excited to be a parent, um, not for the baby age, but for the for the like young child age, right in this four to four to ten age range. Um, my my wife loves babies, um, but uh, but I was excited for kids because at this age they're like so they're so curious and fascinated with everything. And, um, and, and I have a background in education. I like, I like to teach. I like to, I like to learn myself. I get excited about the world around me and learning things and having like two kids that I can sort of teach things to, but also experience, re-experience, like, like learning about the world through their eyes again. It's very exciting and very, very fun. And they're just like, like goofy little dummies, just like me. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's fun to dad. just play, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fun, man. Well, what are some of the favorite things that you love to teach them? Is there any topic and, uh, like specifically? Um, not, not really. I mean, I get excited when they're, when they get excited about sciencey topics, cause I love science and math. Um, so I, I get excited when they, when they want to explore those things, but I love teaching them about anything that they want to learn about. So it's, it's different though. I don't just like to sit down and teach them things. What's really, I'm a really big believer in, um, uh, well, well, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of critical thinking as a skill. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I want to teach my kids critical thinking in that process and, and asking questions and learning by exploring and researching themselves. So that's, that's kind of one of my favorite things to do is handhold them through the process of how would you figure this out on your own or, you know, Oh, what's, what's this, or how does this work? And, and, you know, reflecting questions back to them, like, well, what do you think? And hearing their responses and everything is just very, very fun and, and whatnot. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent. Agreed. I, like, I, I love the idea of helping somebody learn how to be self-sufficient in whatever the topic is and, and uh, really driving that exploration. Well, you're about to hit that big time. If you, if Aria is two and a half years old, yeah, like you're probably already getting a lot of that. We are. And you know, she, and it's very, very minor things. Like she likes to watch me cook for instance, like I do mm-hmm. a lot of the cooking around the house. And so the other day, like she just, we have a little step stool and she just wanted to kind of watch. And I was explaining, like, you know, we cook this so that we can eat it. And, you know, this gets rid of all the germs. And, you know, this right. is, you know, you put salt and pepper. This is what it tastes like. And she's kind of getting uh, very interested in learning and being hands-on. And there's some things in cooking that she could be hands-on mm-hmm. with, like, take this little vegetable and throw it in the pot. But, right, you right. know, don't saute this thing. Otherwise, you're going to burn yourself. So right. there's a lot of that. Uh, but it's getting very, very fun. Now, uh, in your eyes, as somebody who really embraces education, what are some tangible ways that perhaps people can think of, of ways to get their kids more hands-on and, and involved in some of the, the things at that age range? Oh, well, so you... You have to sort of, as a parent, if, if this is the kind of thing that you're interested in or the kind of thing that you really want to push, then you have to sort of change your frame of mind of how you approach everything that you do day to day and look for opportunities to for teaching moments or opportunities to get kids involved. There are lots of things that you can do that are that seem like like silly or, or pointless that your kids will absolutely love doing and you just take for granted. 
um, like you you sort of alluded to just a second ago, like if you're if you're chopping up vegetables, having them um, take you know you you have a two and a half year old, you might not want her uh, holding a sharp knife, but maybe if she's next to you, you chop up the vegetables and just scoot them over to her, and she puts them in a bowl, right? Um, and uh, and little things like that. It's it's maybe not like you can't think of it directly as like oh I'm teaching her the skill of picking up and putting things in bowls that's not what you're doing um, <laughs> what you're doing is you're teaching them to enjoy uh, the the activity or the act of of being involved just by being around you and getting to participate in the things that your kids watch you do every day is is really powerful for children because you're modeling that like that that joy of it and getting them to experience it with you at the same time. And that does a lot in the long term. And just looking for little ways to insert them into what you're doing, even if it makes it take longer. Um, that's just that's part of the 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 pain of parenting, right? Like like everything yes. is harder now. It's um, so, so. It, dude, it's so easy to look at the kid and be like, oh, I got it. I'll just take care of it. But it's and, you, that and I do, and you do that a lot, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but but it's also really important, I th I think, to mm. say it's that whole um, like what is it? The you teach a man to fish, and you fed him for life, right? Like that's right. the same sort of thing when it comes to parenting. The the more uh, opportunity you have for your kids to to make those mistakes and stuff like that's so. I, I just think that it's yeah, really worth and it. and you know it's a cliche for a reason. The the old adage I'm going to get it wrong but uh is um is that you learn more from mistakes than than from successes right and so mistakes are important and i'm i think it's it's really important that you that you said that because because that's really good too you don't want to intervene all the time and correct and stuff like that mistakes are really good but but um it's not just teaching kids to fish right it's teaching kids to to enjoy like if we're using fishing as the analogy sure. it's it's teaching kids to enjoy the act of fishing um i think that's way more important because because kids brains work differently than adult brains and it's easy for us to uh, to go into a task like t say fishing and you might want to approach it and say well well i've got to teach them how to you know uh, string the line through the fishing pole and I've got to teach them how to put the bait on the hook and all this kind of, and, and when you're doing that, when you're running through that process, you're going to, it's easy, especially with young kids to think of all the ways this isn't going to work. Oh, well, I can't have them baiting the hook. That's a sharp hook. I, and they don't have the dexterity. Um, but, but no, there are all sorts of things that you can do to involve them be, and get them, get them loving the act of, of this activity and just of learning new things because they their brains work differently. They're not they don't care about they don't care about learning specific skills at that young age. They care about having fun, um, <laughs> right? And, and if you can teach them that all these things that that um, that learning about new things is fun, that's that's a life lesson that can be that can carry on to everything that is so true now now help me out here because as i am entering into the phase that you are currently like smack dab in what are some ways that i would be able to continue to make things fun and different in these things that are seemingly mundane and every day you know like what, what are some ways that i could do that um well 
Well, like like I mentioned a little bit before, it's it sometimes you have to take a step back and look at every little like in between step and find ways to insert kids into it. Um, even if it's just like hold this for me while I'm while I'm doing this other thing. But uh without without thinking of specific examples, one thing that is important I'm still I still struggle with all the time is um is to try to resist the urge to to um to say no i got this or this is too complicated or no 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 try to resist the urge to to know and exclude just to make things easier um because it's it, teaching anybody anything is not is always going to be harder even an adult teaching someone how to do something is always going to be harder than you just doing it yourself if you already know how to do it yeah uh, but uh but if you can resist that urge to to be uh, stressed and irritated in the moment when you're trying to do something and just, and just, and, and just know that it's going to take longer and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to make a huge mess and ruin things and find times when, when that's okay, because right. it's also understandable that that's not always okay. You can't be expected to always every moment of your day say like, okay, I'm just going to insert my kid into every single moment. But, but find times when it's okay for you to say, okay, I know this, it might only normally take me five minutes to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or even less, but let's, let's expect that it's going to take 20 minutes today <laughs> and let my kid, <laughs> um, you know, make a huge mess. Know that part of that 20 minutes is going to be you cleaning up, you know, jelly off the floor and, and stuff like that. But, um, well, that's why just, you have the dogs. You just get, let the dogs clean yeah, up right? the, the floor. It's fine. <laughs> That's what we do. We uh, Finn loves it when Arya is eating anything, our, our one of our dogs, because he just follows her around and it's like free snack time for him too, because she just drops a goldfish here and there, and he's getting free. That's uh, the same. Yeah, that's the same with my youngest. Uh, our dog um, follows her around. Yeah, that's so funny, man. <laughs> well, now I, I want to take a little trip back in time, about six, seven years ago. You become a dad for the first time. Talk me oh, through yeah. what was that like? You know, holding Zoe for the first. Zoe's your oldest, right? So yes. holding Zoe for the very first time, you and your wife in that delivery room, what was that like for you? Um, so, so it's a cliche to say that it was like, it was like indescribable, right? But um, it's a cliche for a reason, I think. And because it is difficult to describe because it's sort of this like ephemeral um, sensation. When I was, I always knew that I wanted to have kids. Um, it's always been kind of like a part of me. I've always loved kids. Even when I was like a teenager, I've loved being around kids. Um, kids have always seemed to be drawn to me just because of, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and it's always something that I enjoyed. And so that was never a question. I was never worried about whether or not I wanted to have kids. But one thing that I worried about a lot leading up to kids was, um, was whether I was going to be good at it. <laughs> um, so that was a really anxious feeling that I had. Um, also because of my, my first, uh, bachelor's degree was in, um, psychology. So I knew a lot of the ways that you could screw up kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then while my wife was yeah. pregnant, she seemed to like have all these feelings about before Zoe was even born, she, she would always express these feelings of like, of like already bonding with with the unborn child inside of her. And, and that intimidated me too, because I didn't feel that. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I was, I, I had, and I've, I know other dads in particular have this feeling because I've heard them talk about it. Just this feeling of, am I going to feel any, because I didn't like, like sort of logically, I knew I was excited about being a dad, like I said, but, but that feeling was never there. And I was, I was very worried about that. Um, because, you know, am I ever going to have this connect? Am I going to have a child that I have to raise that I just don't have a connection with? My wife has already got this, you know, like bond. And, and I think I, uh, you know, just under, undervalued or, or I don't know if that's the right word. I, I didn't take into account enough that biological connection that of course a mother is going to have with the child they're growing inside of them. Um, but but yet, like you said, when you, I don't know if this is evolution or biology or, or what, it probably is a little bit, um, but there really is something when you, when the kid is born, my wife had a C-section, so I, both, both of our kids were born C-section, so I got the privilege of holding our kids for the first time, both times. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and there is, the, I was not prepared for it with my first kid, but but absolutely instantly you you hold I, I held Zoe and there's this indescribable sensation that just washes over you. Um and and all the worries that I had, and everybody's experience is, is probably a little different. So I won't say that that this is just something that everybody experiences, but my experience was as soon as I was holding Zoe for that first time, there's it's just like it, you, the worries melt away. And it's not like you're not worried about the kid anymore. It's just like, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, all the, the doubts and worries that you had, because yeah. somehow there's this, there's this, in, there's this bond that I had this, like I said, this indescribable feeling washes over you. And suddenly I felt like, I'll whatever, I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and it was, it was, it was, I'm not a, I'm not a spiritual person, um, but it was like the closest I've ever come to having like a spiritual moment, you know? I do. That is exactly how it felt for me to just very, yeah, that uh, slow motion, almost like the whole world around you is muted when you're like in that moment, you're staring at this kid and you're holding it for the first time. It's so wild. Um, and it's yeah. funny to hear you say uh, uh, that that hesitation uh, that of my ability as a dad coming into this. So, you know, if, if I think about dads listening to this today, maybe people who are about to be dads, um, what, what would you tell them as far as like words of encouragement, words of wisdom, if they're worrying about that whole, hey, am I going to bond well with the kid uh, to perhaps put their mind at ease. If you were to go back in time, let's say to talk to yourself when you were uh, in that position about seven years ago, uh, what would you yes. say to kind of ease your mind? That's a great question. I think if I was talking to myself or anybody else, like you said, anybody else who's who's having those feelings right now, first thing I would say is that that the the fact that you're feeling that way is good. It means that you care. Um, <laughs> it means that you want that to happen and and probably that's going to happen because of you know and and probably you're setting yourself up right away 
to be uh, a caring father um, because because you're worried about the reason you're worried about that happening is because you want it to happen. Um, so so that's good that you have that that uh, that inclination that drive. Yes. The other thing is um, is there's nothing you can do about it right now. Like, like whether that happens or not, it will, will be determined when it probably will happen. I will say just from my limited experience, I know uh, it just, it just happens. Um, but, uh, but there's nothing you could do about that. Right. Like right now, focus on what you can control, which is, uh, you know, preparing the, 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 the house, preparing the home, preparing, um, just preparing in different ways and and taking care of your if you know if if you've got a spouse that you're that you're that you're connected with that you're going through this with and everything uh, make sure they're okay um, and just make yourself available in those ways because you that's that's your role right now um, <laughs> and, uh, you, you've got someone who's carrying the child and, and doing all that and going through all the physical stuff. Your role right now is to, is to, uh, take care of stuff. That, that's um. a good, that, that's a really important point, right? Like, I think that we have an opportunity to make things easier for our partner, yeah. whoever's going through this. And, and that's a, that's a key role that, um, that men or, or whoever it is really shouldn't think uh, like goes away right uh just because your partner's pregnant doesn't mean that your job is done it's far from oh, done yeah. you know i i remember you know when deanna was pregnant with aria it was you know giving her back rubs and you know she would have all those hormonal <laughs> inflections and you know she was going through a lot there and and some of the the worries from ultrasounds like anything like that you have to be strong um for her sake um so i think that that's so important um, yeah, yeah. Especially for the sake of a kid, like, too, you know. Yeah, and it can feel helpless as a uh, when when you're when you're on you feel like you're on the outside looking in um, and watching it all happen. And and I know that that's something that I did. I tried to make myself available and and help out as much as I could. Um, went to as many of the doctor's appointments as I could. Talked as much as I could with my wife. Um, and shared in her, you know, just, just being available is, is, is important. Um, another thing that I think, uh, a last thing I'll say to, uh, prospective dads who are worried about how things are going to happen. Um, I didn't worry so much about this, but I know a lot of people who do, uh, who worry about like, how am I going to know how to do it? Um, like a lot of the technical stuff, like feeding, changing diapers, doing all this stuff. Um, it's, it's, just stop worrying about it. <laughs> That's like yes. my biggest advice yeah. because, because it's so like, like it's so, e it's not as anywhere near as hard as you think it is. And it's Agreed. so easy. And it's the first time you do like what I, my wife worried about this a lot and I didn't, but the nurse, sh someone shows you how to do it or they don't. And you just figure it out. It's not like, it's not like, origami diaper changing isn't so complicated you just do it you know bottle feeding knowing when to feed and not to feed like it's so intuitive and easy um stop worrying about there's it. something very <laughs> primal that kicks in uh, i think even as a dad where you're not physically carrying the kid for you know eight months nine months 
you still know what to do, especially around the feeding and stuff. Something kicks yeah. in, man. I can't even describe it, but yeah, it kicks in. Yeah. Um. You, you know, I want to. I want to fast forward a bit. You uh, are here. You know, about seven years later, two girls later. Uh, yeah. And you are a stay-at-home dad. Talk to me about what that transformation was like. Being, you know, uh, somebody that you know was probably working a job. I, I don't know. This is all new to me. So, what was that like making that transition to stay-at-home dad? Yeah, it was. It was, um, it's hard to say, like I want, part of me wants to say it was a, it was challenging, but making the decision to do it wasn't hard. Um, so I, I, to give you a little bit of a picture, I was, um, I was working, uh, in a, in a corporate setting, uh, for an insurance company. I was, I trained their staff. So I had a full time, um, job with a career track and everything i eventually quit that because it wasn't working for me so i was going back to school to to get another degree in computer science and my whole plan and i did finish that degree this right after my uh daughter zoe was born and she was born in april and you know i i graduated in at the end of may um so uh so i got but the plan was I was going to get my computer science degree and I was going to go back into industry, right? I was going to, I was going to be a programmer, um, and, and make a living that way. My wife was in pharmacy school, uh, and she was, she was, had been a pharmacist for a couple of years before she got pregnant. So her plan was always to also go back to work. Obviously pharmacists, um, make more money than programmers typically, um, so we always knew that she was always going to work and uh, I was going to stay home. So our, our initial plan was, okay, she got like two months off of maternity leave and she was going to go back to work cause she had to. And, um, I was just going to delay looking for a job for maybe three, six months or so until we got our feet on the ground and firmly planted and then do the daycare thing. And we were just going to start looking for a job and we were going to figure all that out. Right. That was always the plan. So a couple months before Zoe was due, uh, we're going to the doctor. I went with my wife to all of her doctor's appointments. I was, again, fortunately, I was in, I was just going to school at the time full time. So I had the flexibility to do that. Right. Um, but uh, we're on the way to a doctor's appointment one day and uh, my wife just pulled into or we got done or something like that. She's on her way to taking me to class or something. And she pulled into a parking lot and just started crying. Um, and, uh, and that's not unusual when your wife is pregnant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, so I wasn't worried about that. I was like, okay, so I was, you know, doing my, you know, what's wrong? Are you okay? And all this kind of stuff. And she told me that she, she just started thinking about like running through her head that the, our plan. And she was imagining set, taking our six month old child and leaving them with a stranger at daycare. And she was, and she, it had upset her. She said, I don't, we're in a position where, um, we can, uh, she can work. Um, she makes enough money to support the household. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. And I said, you know what? Um, that's fine. Uh, I'll, if, if you want to wait longer, we'll wait longer and, uh, we'll just wait until you're ready. So again, it was still sort of a temporary thing when I started. And, um, but, uh, but, a couple months after she was born, it was, uh, we were having a 
talking at dinner or something and I, I could we were the conversation was going in the direction of talking about this plan that keeps changing and morphing and I knew where it was going and I had been thinking about it a lot too and I just finally said you know what I don't have to I really actually I enjoy this why don't I just stay home indefinitely I'll just this is what I'll do and uh, she said that okay and it felt right for both of us and so we just made the decision to do it so that's what I mean when I say the decision to do it was not hard. It was very easy. It felt very natural to me to be the one to stay at home. Um, the difficulty has been in, uh, in let me, two things, I guess. First of all is, is family expectation. Um, we have her, her, we live near her family and not near the rest of my family. And her family is very conservative and it took a long time for them. And I don't know if some of them are still not like haven't quite grasped yet that I'm not going back to work. I got a lot of questions for a long time. Like, so how long you, when are you going back to work? When's Stephanie going to quit and stay at home? And, (laughs) you know, and, and it just took a long time to, for it to kind of sink in with them, I guess that, nope, this is the way it is. Uh, (laughs) I'm the, I'm staying at home. It was, is it important to you? From a, uh, you know, I I think about my situation. I think it's important to me at the end of the day what my parents and my in-laws' expectations of me are. And and I know that that's not correct. Like, I have to live my own life, right? And and, and I think that they would be totally supportive if – if if we were to be in a similar position but is that something that kind of weighs on you or have you pretty much written it off um i had written it off i knew it was coming uh i knew we were going to get a lot of questions and a lot of like uh you know like sideways glances and looks like like are you sure you want to do that the man's supposed to be earning the money um i knew that was coming so i i it doesn't it's not something that I ever cared about that they, that, you know, like in my head, I was like, this is, we're going to do what we're going to do and you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, right. <laughs> like this is our life, not Ex- yours. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, but it, it was annoying. Um, and, and, and so that I didn't have to have the conversation over and over again. Uh, I did want them to kind of like get it. <laughs> and that, that was really all it was is I just, I was tired of explaining it. Yeah. You know, like, and, and we, it seems like they really get it. I had a um, Stephanie, my wife's name is Stephanie. Her her dad called me one day, uh, I think like a year and a half in, and and just out of the blue, just called me and said, um, "I think that you're doing a really great job, and I I love what you're doing and taking care of Zoe and and doing this." And it it was a conversation that was basically like his way of signaling to me, like I get it. This is permanent. You know, right, right, and that was a nice conversation. Um, so I think her family gets it now. My family always sort of got it because I just, I'm, I have a different relationship with my family than she does with her family, and I just point blank told them, you know, like, like no, 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 this is the way it's going to be, and they'd ask like, oh, so are you planning to go back to work? Mm, probably not, <laughs> you know, right, and they just got it. Yeah, and and so with your family today, there's no issue, and and her family, I mean. You mentioned that there's still some folks who are kind of struggling with this. 
Um, I mean, does that kind of continue to add any friction to the family dynamic or are you guys okay with it? It, it definitely doesn't cause any friction. Um, that's, that's for sure. It's, it's more of an annoyance than anything else. Um, and it's, and it's, I think it's just her grandparents will oh, ask okay. questions one time, sometimes that are just like, like, so are you, uh, oh, Stephanie, we haven't talked about this in a while. Are you, you ever going to, you ever going to go part time? Um, and to spend more time with the kids and we don't know if like that's a serious question or not or if they're just like making conversation it doesn't ever feel like like pointed or or deliberate it always is in just this like casual kind of way and we just remind them that that's not the way it's gonna go and they're and the conversation moves on so it's the worst it's ever is is an annoy like an eye rolling like oh here we go again yeah that's so telling of the times, isn't it? It's so funny that, you know, when we're having those conversations, it's really with the people who grew up that way in in about 90% of the cases. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times it was the woman who stayed at home with the with the baby and the kids and had perhaps a part-time job, otherwise was a stay-at-home parent. What are your thoughts on today's kind of shift of the dynamic there um, in kind of embracing of the stay-at-home dad? Do you have any thoughts or perspectives on it? So obviously, as a stay-at-home dad, I I I love it um, that uh, that people are more accepting of it. Um, sometimes I I roll my eyes a little bit at you know when when you see like in commercials and in media and stuff like really shoving down your throat this like look it's a dad that's staying at home because I'm like like among between me and Stephanie it was never a question of like are you sure you're okay about being a stay at home dad? You know, like you're a, you're a male and you're staying like, that was never the question. It was, you're a person. I'm a person. We have to figure out who's, if we want someone to stay at home, one of us has to do it. Um, and, and so sometimes it, it feels like I wish that that's the, the way that the world thought about it, which was, you're just, it's two people in a relationship and somebody has to do it. Who cares if it's a man or a woman or whatever. Um, but still but like, I you am, know, a lot of men, a lot of men have this like machismo thing where they're like, well, you know, I've got to be the breadwinner and I don't get that. And, and that's just, that just may be me. I don't know if you have a perspective on that. It, it sounds like well, you, you really don't care either. Uh, I get a lot of, I don't care. Right. It, that doesn't bother me at all, but I get a lot of people who f- talk like that. I live in um, South Carolina in the Southeast, and I don't know if it's geographically and culturally um, different just because of where I am. But there are a lot of people like men and women who both kind of either it's so it's never some occasionally people like poke fun at the fact that I'm a stay at home dad and and that's annoying. Um, But it's more often that people are just like like they hear that I'm a stay at home dad and they're like, Oh, 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 that's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rather than, rather than it just being a normalized. Yeah. Rather thing. than it just being a thing, like, like <laughs> my daughters, if I'm ever in public, here's just a little tiny micro example. If we're ever in public and I've braided, um, one of my daughter's hair or something like that, uh, everyone's like, 
like who did that did you do that did <laughs> like yeah yeah i uh it's not hard to braid hair i i, I do it <laughs> and um and they're and they're like oh i just think that's so great and th- i try i never like push back against that because they're they mean well right yeah yeah um everybody means well when they say that around here it just it kind of like makes me roll my eyes that we're ha- that we're having this conversation you right. know like, <laughs> that's what blows my mind about it all and I'm happy to hear that you have that perspective where you can kind of just brush it off and and eventually it will become normalized because people will realize, hey, we're all just people and we're two partners in this same situation and we have to uh, we have we have the same goals and that is to raise kids and make a living yeah. and, and we're gonna yeah, accomplish here's it. A, and here's another example that sort of I think illustrates a little bit more where I'm coming from 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 that, which is um so my daughter goes to a school um, that is an inquiry-based school. It's a it's like a magnet program in our school district. So it's a public school, but it's a magnet school. Um, anyway, the the point of me saying that was that they're very open door, kind of like family involved school. They really encourage families to to get involved. So I'm there. They have um they have what are called homeroom parents, uh, but they used to be called homeroom moms. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so what it is is every class has a homeroom parent. Um, and it's just like a volunteer that helps uh, organize things, sends emails out to other parents, keeps parents other parents involved, and helps the teachers out with things that they need to help out and everything. And, um, and I decided to volunteer and do that. Um, so I am. And when, when I first signed up, they were like, oh, well, I guess we're going to, I guess we can't ca- call it a homeroom mom anymore. And I said, we were at the meeting and I said, guys, it's okay if like, like you can call me a homeroom mom. I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like don't change the whole name just for my, if you feel like it needs to change, that's fine. But don't do it because you think it's going to hurt my Who feelings. Who the hell is Bobby guy coming over yeah. here and telling us to change our name? Yeah. It's so fine. that's, that's kind of like, like where I come from at it. Like, I don't care. Like it's just a word. Yeah. That is funny. I, I want to talk about uh, another aspect of your kind of stay-at-home dad situation, and that is your ability to be a content creator. Um, kind of a nice thing about being at home is that you have you know immediate access to a studio uh, that you've uh, kind of mm-hmm. built up at home, and you're making some really great content. Yeah. Um, but also with that, as as I know very well, comes the the balance. You have to find time to work on your passions as well as be a, you know, a, a good dad. How are you able to balance all of that? Um, it's, it's challenging, uh, because I, a lot of people think that because you're a stay at home parent that you must have tons and tons of free time. Um, and it's not really the case. I think, I think at best you are more flexible with your time. Um, you can, you have a little bit more control over when you do, but at the same time you don't because anything can happen at any moment and the whole house can go into, uh, disarray at any moment. Right. (laughs) And you have to deal with that. So, so, um, I know a lot of podcasters who, who work from home all day, uh, they can just do their podcasting at any time of the day. Um, but when you have young kids, you kind of like like most of everything I do has to be at night, like any any nine to five working person. Um, but I have to wait until till the kids are in bed, um, like like a lot of people have to do. It's it's not just because I have I stay at home all day. I can do it whenever. Exactly. It's a little bit easier 
for me to do it, be more flexible now because my kids are getting older. So I can talk to them and I can be like, look, this is like, like I did right to, to talk to you right now. I, I said, okay, guys, um, I'm going to be doing this thing and you guys just need to play quietly for, you know, an hour or so. And, um, and, and they understand that because it's something that I do often. Um, and so that's nicer as they're getting older. But one thing I did, uh, early on when the kids were, were really young and they were still taking naps, they would take a nap when, when during nap times, I would get a lot of work done, of course. And, uh, and so eventually your kids get down to like one nap in the middle of the day. And then, and then once they grow out of that, what we did here in our house is we instituted, we turned that into from being a nap time into, we call it quiet time. Um, and so it's just a time for everybody to just sit down and relax and, and do quiet things. It's if we're being honest, it's mostly for me and my wife to, to get some like wind down time. Um, and so we ask them to play quietly or play outside or play in their rooms or something like that so that we can relax. And I usually, yeah. my wife naps every day during quiet time. Oh, really? And I, and I usually get work done. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So how, do, how well are they uh, following those rules? Was that hard to implement? Because I'm thinking about Aria. Uh, we've kind of implemented something similar. She goes up and takes a nap, but sometimes she'll just hang out in her room and sing a song or she'll like read a book, quote unquote, read a book because she's doing half. But she right. will uh, just hang out in her room for a couple hours. Uh, were your kids as easy as that or was that hard to implement? Um, it's been really hard. It still can be hard sometimes. Um, my kids, for some reason, have never been like kids who want to play in their room. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm just now like they're just now starting to do that. And it's almost like we we forced them to mm. we were like, no, you guys need to do something in your rooms. You need to learn that that is a place where you can be. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And uh, it's um, I don't know why they never have wanted to play in their room. But uh, so it was really hard at first because there's only so much time that a that a five year old or a six year old or a seven year old will sit and just sit quietly and do something quietly. Like they they've got to get up. Kids have to move. It's like a it's like a brain thing. And I I'm not joking. Like literally, it's a brain thing. They they're they're wired neurologically to have to get up and move. Um. And so, honestly, it's been more of an adjustment for me and Stephanie, and I, I feel like that's a that's like a through line in in yeah. our parenting in general. We could talk like for hours about that. Um, <laughs> is that that a lot of the difficulty of of that has just been training us to understand that that kids act a certain way, <laughs> you know? But it's so important because I even find myself in situations saying, I, why isn't she being reasonable? And Alex, it's because she's two and a half. Like right. there's just, that's just the way she is. What are some of the ways that you guys remind yourselves that your kids are just kids and they're learning and, and trying to remain patient that way? Well, first of all, it's really hard. Um, when you're an adult person, you think about things as an adult would think about them. And when you relate to other human beings in the world, you, uh, this is just how our brains are wired, right? Like we, 
we think that other people think the same way that we do. Um, it's just a bias that we have in how we relate to other people. So, and th this applies to lots of things. There's lots of adult people get into arguments all the time because you assume that another person is thinking the same way that you do. Um, but it, it happens with kids too. When, when you, you expect by default, adults expect kids to think and reason the way that they do. And so you, like you said, you have to, you have to remind yourself that kids do not think like adults and they should not be expected to think like adults um, because it's unreasonable. They cannot do it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so we have to, the one way that me and Stephanie try to do, to remind, because that was your original question. How do we kind of remind ourselves? We remind each other all the time. And I think the times when I get weak and, and lose that sort of thought and lose control is usually when I'm by myself. And it's because her and I um, lean on each other and rely on each other a lot to do that. And um, it wasn't always easy because, because you're sometimes when you're getting worked up, you're in a, you get to be in a defensive mode. Yep. And so when your partner tries to gently remind you like, Hey, you might want to take it down a notch because you know, she's only three years old. <laughs> right. um, then, then it can be really easy to snap at your partner when they do something like that. And that yeah. happened between us a lot and for a while. And we just eventually had to, after sitting down and having many, many talks, because, you know, like, uh, here's a tip for the marriage podcast. Um, <laughs> like, make sure you talk to your partners. Um, <laughs> yes. No, yes. Communication is such a resounding yeah. theme that we talk about on this show where yeah. a lot of it can just be avoided altogether if you just have a conversation about it. Like right, things, and you know? so so we did that. We we would have the same conversation over and over again often, and we still do, of just saying like, uh, so now it's a lot easier. We know that if I'm gently reminding you, like, like you just have to take a minute. Um, we also have a rule uh, where th if, if we feel ourselves reaching a breaking point, and we're the, and we're both in the house, me and my wife. Then um, we have a rule where I can just say, "I'm going into the other room for a minute. I'll be back." And we know what that means, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and we don't ask questions. And we know, like, whatever. I, if Stephanie does that, whatever I'm doing at that moment, I know that that's my cue to uh, let her go and get the kids under control. And, you know, like, and we, ha you have to help each other out in that way because you're, we, we as, as adults and, and oftentimes as parents, we can, especially in a fast paced world that we live in today, um, it can be so easy and such a mistake to try to get your kids to grow up too fast. Um, and I don't mean like, like maturity. Well, in all ways, like yeah. like there are some things that kids' brains are not capable of of doing or understanding. Right. And you have to remember to to try to see this from the perspective of a five year old. Yeah. Try to think about what is your like what is it what is Aria 
thinking? What is a two and a half year old thinking right now? And a lot of times it's just, ooh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's part of our job, I think, as parents to not only understand that, but to walk them through that evolution and realize that it's not going to be an instantaneous like light bulb moment where they get it. It's going to take a lot of oh, time. that's super important. And You're right. so much uh, just uh, constant reinforcement that by the time that it is able to click, that they have that foundation built, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that this has been some wonderful wisdom that you've brought to the conversation and your perspective as somebody who's so dedicated to just being a great dad and doing what's right by your kids. I think it's been a really fun conversation. I always like to end the conversations with some words of wisdom. So thinking about some of the challenges that you brought up earlier, uh, a younger Bobby, perhaps, what what would you say um, as far as words of wisdom to our listeners, um, you know, given your experience as a dad? Oh man. Um, my, my biggest thing that I, that I get like passionate about it on a soapbox about is, um, is, is that parenting is really hard and that we are, we are not perfect parents and that it's okay to not be a perfect parent. Um, I wish someone had told me that from the beginning or really made me understand that from the very beginning that you're going to make mistakes um, and you're going to do things that you regret and you're going to do things that you never thought you're going to sometimes be a person you never thought you were going to, you would be, Um, you're going to learn things about yourself that you never, never knew about yourself. Um, I didn't, I always thought that I was like a cool level headed person and, and that I was just go with the flow and, and I didn't, but when I, now that I have kids, I realized that I struggle a lot with, with, um, I yell a lot and I don't like that. Uh, and I, so it's something I'm constantly working on. And, um, and I, I don't want to be like, we talk about parenting styles and, and I, I never want to be that totalitarian parent, but I sometimes find myself like being that way and, and being able to know that, that parenting is hard and really crappy sometimes. That's another thing is, is everybody talks about how wonderful parenting is and, and to be, and to be sure like it is wonderful um but it's like the whole experience as a whole is is the wonderful part like in the end it's rewarding and and in the in certain moments it's rewarding but i wish someone had warned me and talked i wish people talked more about how 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 crappy it is sometimes and how much i'm going to say something that might shock people Um, but how sometimes you really kind of hate your kids. Um, yeah. And that, and that like, it's okay to feel that way. Cause, cause the first time you start to feel that way and no one in your life has ever talked that way about parenting before, there's a lot of guilt that you go through. Um, and, and thinking like, am I a bad parent? Like, because I, I feel this way. Like I just, 
but you're not. Like you're a human being and you're interacting with another person that is totally irrational and unreasonable and you just want to like you you just want to you know go you've been looking forward to your kid going to bed all night so that you can like play some video game or watch a movie in the two hours that you have before you have to go to bed and get started the next day. And that kid just will not go to sleep. <laughs> just keeps getting up. Um, like, like it's normal and natural for you to have human re reactions to that. And just like you can get mad at and be really pissed at like your best friend or your your spouse it just because you, that doesn't mean you don't love that person that is the same with your kids like you, there are times when i'm just like i do not like you guys right now yes <laughs> that and that's okay um, and by the way feelings like that i think uh, i want to double click into something that you just said uh earlier those are valid feelings Yes, And it's very important for people to understand that. And that's something that uh, there's a big mission with this show is to not always just talk about all the beautiful, great things, but to really bring to light some of the struggles and provide some community and, uh, and understanding around some of the ways that some of these people like you and I feel. Um, because everything that you said resonates 100% with everything that I've experienced as a parent in the past two and a half years. So yeah. I, I totally understand... Um, that I just want to go and uh, hang out for two hours by myself after you go to bed, but you will not go to bed. I totally get right. that. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, but I think that my you wife bring... struggled a lot with uh, with kids like our kids wa wanting to touch her. She did not want to be touched. She, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like they would hang on her and want to climb in her lap and everything, and she was just like, oh, just stop touching me yep deanna <laughs> had that with aria for a little bit too yep yeah i think a lot of mothers do actually i think it there's um there's something about that with like just like there, there's a more there's a lot more like physical necessity between children and mothers yeah like um, I, I i touched you for nine months i need you to right. like not touch me right now <laughs> right exactly <Yeah. laughs> uh well i think that that is very well said and you know for anybody at home who wants to follow what you do bobby because um you've got a lot of fun projects out there that you work on do you want to talk about that and where people can follow you on social media and such yeah so if you want to um, hear about the random things that I'm talking about. Oftentimes, is parenting stuff on Twitter. It's at GM Funky Town. So Funky Town, like the song, um, and a GM before that. So GM Funky Town. Um, I, uh, I I currently don't have any active podcasting projects because I kind of the the competition we were talking about, America's Next Top Podcaster. Um, I kind of put everything on hiatus for that and and have new ideas that I'm getting cranked up now um, as a result of that. But if you want to hear my journey through there and see how far I got or or, or whatnot, um, you should check out America's Next Top Podcaster. Um, it's a great opportunity for learning stuff if you're interested in podcasting. Um, but also, I do a lot of streaming on the, the, the network, the media network that I started called the Shadowcasters Network. Um, it's Shadowcasters Network on Twitch. Um, we have a website, shadowcasters.network. We do a lot of gaming, like tabletop gaming stuff, like tabletop RPGs and board games. So if you're interested in that in next month, or I guess probably it's January, so probably this month by the time people are listening to this, um, 
we will be starting up a an RPG show. It's going to be a short run of um, the if you if you've ever watched the show Leverage, they, there's a tabletop RPG um, made with that French franchise, the Leverage RPG, and we're going to be I'm going to be uh, a cast member in that. So it's going to be fun. I'm Love playing it. a grifter, a con a con lady, con woman. Oh. <laughs> All right. I like that. Yeah, I'm just starting up my first uh, D&D campaigns. And um, well, I should say I, I'm become I'm a DM for the first time. Uh, I've always, you know, like played as a player and uh, running RPGs and such is, is I'm finding is my total jam. Um, and I become more and more into it. So I will definitely be checking that out what you're talking about now. Yeah. So um, so everybody at home, go check it out. Uh, make sure you follow Bobby. And uh, again, America's Next Top Podcaster.com is a great place to learn all about podcasting and hear Bobby's wonderful journey through that uh, experience. Uh, as some yeah. somebody that went through it myself, uh, as you've heard on this show, it's it is a doozy. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of work. <laughs> uh, that was fun with kids. That was oh fun. yeah, nice sure. oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, again, our guest today has been Bobby Frankenberger. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Alex. It's um, I always love talking about this stuff. I come on anytime. Big thanks again to our guest, Bobby Frankenberger, for sharing his story on today's episode. And if you're a stay-at-home dad, I want to hear from you. Let me know about how everything's been going with you being a stay-at-home dad. Have you encountered any um, any resistance from family members or anything of that sort? I would love to hear from you. Email the Dad Chronicle Podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed what you listened to today, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast provider you're listening to us on. And also consider supporting this show monetarily. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, there's a link to become a patron. And we have a lot of really awesome exclusive rewards for patrons. So find a level that works for you. Even $1 a month helps tremendously for us to cover the costs of this show. And as I mentioned before, if you want to email and chime in on the conversation, you can do so by emailing the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.